Well, good morning, Godspeak. Great to see your lovely faces, all plump with turkey and ham and lots of love from your family for the Christmas Day celebration yesterday. Uh, I must share with you, I have a little hesitancy about my message. It's quite, quite a uh, powerful message or heavy message in its subject matter because you see, yesterday was Christmas, correct? We celebrated Jesus' birth into the world to come save us and rescue us. But I'm going to talk about his second coming and the villain that he's going to destroy, whose name is the Antichrist today. So um, it seems like I'm not sure if it's the Christmas weekend-ish kind of message. Because I walked in, I was so excited, I got my notes, I'm pumped, I'm prayed up, I'm ready to come. And I walk in and I run into three manly men in Christmas sweaters. And I thought, I don't know if the guys are ready for this right now. I think that it's like the afterglow of Christmas that's going on. So we're going to do the best we can. Hopefully you'll hang in there and uh, know that this is not what happens every single weekend. But as we read through the Anchored in the Word two-year Bible reading, Pastor Rob and I, co-pastoring, we go back and forth. He's usually teaching on Sunday mornings. And he's teaching through the Old Testament, and I take the New Testament passage. And because we're finishing the uh, New Testament, we're in the book of Revelation. And so if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and we'll be looking at Revelation chapter 13 as we look at this, the greatest tyrant the world has ever seen is going to show up on the scene, but Jesus comes to give you the good news. It's like a great movie. A great movie needs a hero and a villain, and the villain must get it in the end. You know what I mean? He is, and and he's, he's, going to, he's going to get his in the end, and that's the way we're looking at it. But a couple of things just before we jump into our passage of Scripture, and that is our baptism that is coming up on January 8th and 9th. We look forward to it. All four services, we have a baptism Saturday night, all three Sunday morning services, and we have baptized literally hundreds of people in the last year that are coming to Christ through this unprecedented time in our country. And so if you've received Christ, the way that you publicly confess him is to publicly identify with his death, burial, and resurrection in the water. We have a, a lid that comes off, and there's a baptismal here. If you're new to our fellowship and you haven't seen the wet mess of baptism weekend is here. I mean, there's water everywhere. We can even sprinkle those on the first row that are not into being submerged. You know, we, we, we got water flying everywhere. And Rob and I have to split it up because we're both pushing 60, and our backs hurt when we uh, baptize uh, 60, 70 people. But I want to encourage you, invite your family, friends, co-workers, because they can watch you declare to them that you've decided to follow Jesus in a very public way. It's, it's quite powerful, and I think that that's what churches miss out on when they don't have the baptism a part of the service. It's like a few people go to the YMCA or a few people go to the beach, which those things are, are great, but when you can see it, I mean... How often you're just weeping because here's people, whether they're an 80 year old grandmother or a 6'5 tatted up gangbanger coming to Jesus, it's just exciting and very powerful. So we're looking forward to that. Well, the title of our message I said was The Antichrist. I thought about some creative Christmas things, you know, the Grinch that stole Christmas. Scrooge, Bah Humbug, any of the above, but nothing really fit with the straight up declaration of how people know him. 
And it's interesting that that's the name that has stuck. It comes from 1 John 2.18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So John the Apostle, 2,000 years ago, said, who's coming? The Antichrist. And there's many Antichrists that have shown up on the scene uh, demonically influenced people like Adolf Hitler and these crazy people that have just destroyed millions of people on planet Earth. But they always subside and uh, stability resumes. But we have lived under tyranny like never before in the last two years here in America that we have not seen. I had no idea that the churches and the pastors and the Christians would stop going to church for a flu. Blew my mind. Even with the tyranny of law enforcement saying or governor saying the church is non-essential, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that Americans would shut their businesses, literally go bankrupt because of what has taken place. I couldn't believe at the highest levels of our government that we are so saturated was my thought in this constitutional understanding of liberty the pursuit of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness individual freedom that I had no idea something literally as we know now as minor as COVID if you're over 70 years old and have underlying health issues, it's a danger. You need to have focused protection for people that are vulnerable to it. Like every flu season, people die of pneumonia and various things. And now with Omicron, a winter of death and destruction for the unvaccinated. Yet all the people that I'm hearing about getting COVID, they, they've been vaccinated and now they're, they're giving it to one another, kind of a weird cycle of things. So the tyranny, I want you to know that the Bible speaks about, in a future sense, an individual that is going to bring the greatest tyranny in the history of the world. But be of good cheer, Jesus comes back and throws his butt into hell. So it's all good, right? And so this Antichrist is known by other names as well, as we see. He is the little horn of Daniel 7, 8. He is the king of fierce countenance of Daniel 8, 23. He is the prince that shall come, Daniel 9, 26, that signs a treaty with Israel so that they can rebuild their temple. He is the willful king of Daniel 11, 36 through 45. The one who comes in his own name, John 5, 43, whom Israel will uh, receive as their Messiah, and the son of perdition, the man of sin, the lawless one, all found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Way back in 1998, when I went to Israel, they had these banners that said, the Messiah is coming. I was fascinated by that from a Jewish perspective, you know, Messiah is coming. And uh, because we believe the Messiah has come and he's going to come again, but they were looking for his first coming because they rejected Jesus. And I was asking around and I, I uh, came, Pastor Chuck had asked some high officials, hey, what's the story with this, the Messiah's coming? Who do you believe is the Messiah? He asked a top ranking official in Israel. And the top ranking official said, whoever will bring Israel peace is our Messiah. They are set up to receive anybody that will bring them peace. And so he is that one that's going to come in his own name and they're going to receive him. We're going to look at 
16 things that the Antichrist and his false prophet bring that you may not be aware of. Maybe you're good in your eschatology. Maybe you're a student of Revelation. Maybe this is your first run through. So we're going to take a complicated passage, boil it down, distill it to very simple language about a political leader that's going to show up in the future that wants to make war with God. That's a simple narrative that's going to unfold before us. And the first thing you have to realize is that this demonic spirit that's going to empower a normal human on planet earth has a history of this kind of behavior for it tells us in bible scars this is probably one of the most provocative verses about the antichrist that's going to come from revelation 17 8 it says the beast that you saw was past tense and is not he's off the world stage and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and then go on to perdition so there's a demonic spirit. Where the bottomless pit are where uh, demonic forces are held or are dwelling. And he's going to come out. He's been on the world stage before, maybe in the form of possessing somebody like a Hitler, like a Lenin, like a Stalin, like somebody, you know, that is destroying humanity. And then after he had his season with them, he went back to the bottomless pit and he's going to come back on the scene. So he's got a track record as far as this evil uh, ability to possess individuals. And so now, as we're going to look at and unfold this Revelation 13, would you stand with me? We're going to read this passage of Scripture. Follow along as it comes up on the screen. If you had a Bible and you made your way to Revelation 13, let's begin our time. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? Father, we ask that you would open our hearts and open our eyes spiritually that we might see wonderful things and that you might unpack the truth that you have written into this passage by the inspiration of your spirit and may you now inspire us to see it for what it is and give us revelation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I mentioned the first thing is the uh, Antichrist has a track record as far as a demonic spirit before he comes into a human in this future sense. But the second thing is he's going to lead, and I, I, for the sake of our time getting through this chapter, um, we can't dive into uh, a lot of the details surrounding this beast. Suffice it to say, Bible teachers see this beast that rises out of the sea, he's got seven heads, he's got an animal uh, body that is a composite of bear's feet, a leopard's body, and a lion's head with these uh, seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns. Now, it's also very familiar in the book of Daniel. There's very little new in the book of Revelation. When you put all the parts together throughout the rest of prophecy, it's like a puzzle that comes together. And realize this, it is a guy that's going to be a political leader that becomes the leader for a short span of time in a confederation of 10 nations that originate in Europe. That's, what, that's what's going to happen in the future. 
And if you've watched the uh, Davos Great Reset that says, hey, there's going to be this handful of uh, countries, they're going to control the world and, and various things, it's all on course with, with what the progressive extreme left want to see happen anyway. And he is a per person, when he shows up, he's going to look like the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's going to be a peacemaker. He's going to be able to make peace in the Middle East. Do you know that president after president after president has tried to bring peace to Jerusalem in the Middle East between the Israelis and the Palestinians? Nada. It's not working. This guy will be able to do it so that the Jews can rebuild their temple on the Temple Mount, which is problematic for those who have been to Israel because the Muslims control the Temple Mount and the Al-Aqsa Mosque has a, a 10,000 Muslims that pray there five times a day. So they dominate that. So they want to rebuild their temple, but the hostility between the Muslims and the Jews is epic, as we know. But this guy, as it says in the book of 2 Corinthians, the devil can appear as an angel of light. When he wants to look good, man, he can look good. He is a deceiver, and he's going to be able to bring about the signing of this treaty. But he is a man that is leading a nation or 10 nations in the future. Now, can I say at the beginning? Can I say in the middle? Can I say at the end? Every whack job that comes along trying to identify the Antichrist does great disservice to the whole view and passion of eschatology. Right? Because, oh, it's this... I've been a pastor for over 30 years. I have heard all kinds of people that are the Antichrist. <laughs> we don't know who he is, and we don't know when he's going to be revealed. Because ultimately, do you know that the New Testament's emphasis for Christians is to watch for the second coming of Jesus Christ and not for the Antichrist? We're not really watching for him. He's going to show up. He's going to come on the scene. He's going to do his thing. But we're really watching and hoping and believing in the rapture of the church that we're taken out of here before he even comes on the scene for the seven years that we're going to be looking at. Yeah. Wow. If you really knew Revelation, that would be like a standing ovation. You're like, get me out of here, right? I want to, I want to escape this because what is coming is so horrendous. But this individual is going to lead this, lead this federation of ten nations. And thirdly, he is empowered by Satan, just as Jesus was God in human flesh. The devil is not creative. He imitates everything that God does, right? So if we have the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're going to see that what unfolds here is there, the Satan is going to empower the Antichrist and his false prophet. So they have their unholy trinity. We're going to realize that the thing that separates Jesus from every other religious leader in history is he died three days later, he rose from the dead. Correct? So this Antichrist is going to be assassinated, die, and rise from the dead and wow the whole world. Because he just follows the Lord's playbook and does his Antichrist or instead of Christ or in opposition to Christ. He is an imitator. And so it says in verse 2, Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon, the devil, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. The devil's been looking for someone. You remember when he tempted Jesus? And he tempted Jesus after he hadn't eaten anything for 40 days. He said, here's all the kingdoms of the world, and I'll give them to you if you'll just worship me. Here's an individual, this political leader is going to take that bait and say, I'm in. 
and he's going to be possessed, and he's going to get the, all the dragon's power and authority. Fourthly, as we see this assassination, or however it unfolds in verse 3, I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. All the world marveled and followed the beast. To be mortally wounded is to be killed, obviously, by the wound. You die. Now, all of us who are older, I don't know how many times I've seen the clip of JFK being shot in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, 1963, right? And it's a, it's a brutal scene, and he gets shot in the head. And if you saw him come out of the hospital two or three days later with a little bandage on his head, going, hey, it's all right, let's sing God Bless America, everybody would be pretty much in awe. We were even in awe when an older gentleman, Ronald Reagan, was attempt, the attempted assassination, and he was shot, you remember, and uh, almost the bullet almost hit his heart, and he's in his robe on the balcony at the hospital waving to us. You're like, that's our president. Check that out. But imagine that they die, and then they rise from the dead. This fourth thing is quite stunning. We don't know how it all works. There's a passage in Zechariah, I didn't put it in, but a passage in Zechariah that talks about the worthless shepherd and his right eye and his right arm are shriveled by a sword. And some connect that passage with this, even though we're not sure it's how it's going to unfold. Fifthly, he will be worshipped. Have you noticed that crazy regimes in Russia, in North Korea, in China revere their leaders? to an extreme uh, height, even in Japan as they, their emperor was basically God back in the day of uh, World War II, and they get pictures and statues all over the place of them, and you can't speak negatively about them at all, right? If you speak ne negatively about the regime in China, you disappear. If you speak negatively against Vladimir Putin in Russia, they poison you, <laughs> If you speak negatively of the president of North Korea, I'm not sure what happens because no news gets out. Right. So we're not unfamiliar with this kind of dynamic, but they worship him and uh, say, who is like the beast? I mean, we don't know anybody like this. The sixth thing that stands out about this individual, this Antichrist, is... In verse 5, he will have authority 42 months, and he, and he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. The book of Revelation is very specific. It's a seven-year period of time that it says there's 1,260 days. That's uh, three and a half years. Or if it's talking about three and a half years and months, 42 months. He has a very narrow window. It's almost like this segment of time that he gets all of this consolidated power to try to work his nefarious plan. Now, in a backhanded way, that's very encouraging because he only gets it for that window and at the end of it, Jesus takes care of him. So up until that point, there's no declaration that we have to live as slaves to any regime. We want to live for liberty. We want to be salt and light. Some people see prophecy as a way to go to the woods <laughs> and sing kumbaya till Jesus comes. Right? Let's just, let's just check out because it's all going to happen. No, this is true. God has this incredible ability to declare to us in the future everything that's going to happen. We get the insight. 
Have you noticed how fascinated people are with psychic hotlines, tarot cards, palm reading? Everybody wants to know about the future. And the Lord just tells us straight up what's going to happen, and it fills us with confidence because he's not going to get this kind of consolidated power till that very narrow window right at the end. But I've been startled, and I'm sure you have been. I have never seen the entire globe in coordination the way it has been with COVID. From Australia to Europe to all these places that are shutting down, as if somehow there's this weird plan to shut down the world's population and to elevate technology, technocracy, and the elites and to crush the middle class and businessmen. It's, it's this weird thing that's happening. But everywhere you look, even though that's true, people are rising up in the streets of France, in the streets of Australia, in the streets of Austria, because people know innately they're created in God's image and they're designed to be free, designed to be free people that are free to live their life and to love their families and go to work and do these things. And when people cower and allow the noose to get cinched around their necks so tight they can no longer get out of the house, then it's too late, right? And so as these things unfold, he only gets a window of 42 minutes. So we can live with fearlessness in our walk with the Lord a love for Jesus and a love for liberty in our nation to make a real difference. Because there's no reason any of us should check out or tune out, but to get engaged with what's going on in these last days. Now the seventh thing that we see is he will blaspheme God and his people. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Have you noticed the rhetoric on the left about those who are conservative Christians in America? Now somehow white conservative Christians in America are white supremacists and they're insurrectionists. They're taking over the capital, the greatest insurrection since <laughs> whatever. Now, first of all, I was there on uh, January 6th, not inside the capital. Somebody said they breached the capital. I'm like, uh-oh, somebody's stupid and I got out of town. But the reality is, if it is an insurrection, and this is the narrative that they just keep beating this drum, it is the only resurrection, only government resurrection in world history where the only weapon was people taking selfies. The only weapons were cell phones taking video and selfies. Now, granted, they were stupid, those who did it, and those who, sadly, unaware of what was going on, got sucked into the whole thing. But the narrative has to continue to demonize people like you and I. We are the deplorables. We are pictured in the left media as knuckle-dragging, barbaric, you know, super spreaders. It's Katie Couric went on national news and said, you know, how, how can we get counseling for these people to deprogram them? Now, you see, I get all my advice from Katie Couric if I'm not getting it from Oprah, one or the other. That's where my advice is coming from. But have you noticed that they have to vilify, they have to demonize, they have to blaspheme the name of our God and his servants? 
These are just little glimpses, very faint pictures of what this guy, the Antichrist, will do on steroids. He's going to be very bold in his speaking against God. He's going to be the very bold. I remember when, I think it was um, Amy Comer, uh, Brian, um, uh, thank you, Barrett, uh, that she was being interviewed, and I think it was uh, Diane Feinstein said, You're, you know, the dogma of your religion lives, you know, inside of you. It's like, well, it used to be uh, America had a Judeo-Christian ethic, but I, until it hits the walls of Washington, D.C., I guess. The blasphemy that is a faint murmur is going to gain traction in that period of time that is yet in the future. The eighth thing we see is he will have worldwide authority. Even though we see a global coordination now, this is going to be a very strong brief period of time of global power. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and the authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Notice that, over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Everybody that does not know Jesus is going to worship this Antichrist. In a reversed way, this is a beautiful picture because it says their names were not written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Do you know that your names are written in the book of life from the foundation of the world? That's pretty cool. Because God has foreknowledge and he knows all those are going to respond to him, your name and my name, if you love Jesus, your name's been in that book before planet earth was created. And so if he knew it back then, the good work that he begun in you and me, he's going to bring it to completion. He's going to bring us safely into his heavenly kingdom. And I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, I'm so glad God wrote my name in the book then because I'm afraid he wouldn't choose me today. <laughs> know me way back then. But today the struggles and the personal things that go on. But those who have rejected the Lord, they will worship this Antichrist. The ninth thing we see, he will test the patience of the saints, and here we learn a valuable lesson, even for our own time, in verse 9 and 10. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. What is he telling us? He said, in those unprecedented times, we may be tempted. There are going to be soldiers that are killing us. There are going to be police officers that are uh, capturing us, and Whoever does that will pay the price. If you're killing people, you're going to be killed. If you're capturing people, you're going to be captured. So where's the patience of the saints? I don't want to take vengeance myself and become militant myself so that I'm killing people so that I'm killed, so that I'm trying to kidnap people. Now, I was just with some new acquaintances last night. We're visiting, and I was talking to a sweet gal. She's from another country in Europe, and she really doesn't get American politics, but she sees, because she comes from a uh, background that's very familiar with communism, and she sees, she said, what's the matter with you people in America? Can't you see the communists are taking over your country? I can see it, and I'm, I'm from out of your country. And she looked at me and, and so, with such disgust, she said, why do you not assassinate these bad people with a really broken accent? <laughs> and so I just had fun with it. Obviously, our message is one of peace. And uh, you have to shut down any violent rhetoric because just like they use the insurrection, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to bait us into reacting in some kind of physical way so that they can continue the narrative. So we can't give that to them. 
hey, we're going to pray for them. We're going to get involved in a peaceful way. We're going to use our constitutional rights. We are going to be seriously involved, but we're not turning to violence. And so uh, I told her, I said, so let's just walk through the scenario. I said, she said, you just cut off the head of the serpent. And I, I, it, was, it was adorable. It really was. I mean, because she's such a sweet girl and, and really, and, and I said, yeah, but don't you realize how long that snake is? I said, so we cut, so if you go with your plan, somebody takes out Biden. Then you got Kamala. <laughs> and, and so you get, and then, okay, then we, then we move Kamala out. Do you know that next in line, the House is the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi? And if I was going to capture Nancy Pelosi, I would make her live on the streets of San Francisco that she ruined for a month. And now she's moving to Florida. Even Nancy, who hates Ron DeSantis, says, I want to live in your backyard. It's safe. There's law and order here, you know. Anyway. So I'm like, where do you stop? Then do you get, you get to Adam Schiff? Do you get to Schumer? Do you get to AOC? <laughs> right, I mean, where do you stop? I mean, the progressive left is really, really, really deep. It used to be a decade ago, 15 years ago, oh, Bernie Sanders is the only senator and that, you know, he's a socialist and he's not, so he can't do much harm. Now the list is very long. It's very long. So where's the patience of the saints? We're gonna pray. We're going to be informed, we're going to get involved, but we're not going to take vengeance into our hands, right? We're going to be a peaceful people that only pursue things. Because I have people that they, they, want, to, they want to go to arms. Well, you know, we got, we're going to do a militia. We have the most elite fighting force in America. Are you really going to go head to head with SEAL Team 6? I mean, in any practical world, I think... We'll use our Second Amendment rights to defend ourselves from the anarchy of crazy people. But other than that. So we have to shut that down. And I just want to encourage you. If you're on social media with people that are going down that road and that rabbit hole and that narrative, move away from it. Get away from it. Because there's a time coming where any of that associate, guilt by association and everything, they will become a knocking on your door. Right? So move away from that. Always make your message a positive message, one of peace. And we, you know, our citizenship and exactly what we're going to do to use our constitutional rights. Having said that, as we see the patience of the saints, the tenth is he has a false prophet. You know, John the Baptist came on the scene six months before Jesus and he told everybody, Jesus is the Messiah, follow him. And he said, I must decrease, he must increase. And even the Antichrist has his right-hand man. He has his John the Baptist. He has his wizard Merlin that it looks like something out of the Lord of the Rings type of thing. It says, then I saw another beast in verse 11 coming out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Here this individual is and he's the mouthpiece. He's, he's the uh, press secretary. He's Jen Psaki. And he's going to circle back a lot. Let's circle back to that. Okay. Number 11, 
All these things now is what the false prophet does. He implements. So who exercises the same authority, verse 12, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Why do they worship him? Because his deadly wound was healed. He died and came back to life. They're in awe. Worship him. Who is like him? Number 12, who performs great signs. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. So he wows the world with supernatural things. That's what the devil does. He takes a playbook out of what the Lord does. Elijah the prophet brings down fire from heaven. Do you know in the story of Moses and Aaron, when they go before Pharaoh, in the book of Exodus, chapter 7 and chapter 8, he, the Lord told him, throw down your rod. So Aaron throws down Moses' rod and it turns to a serpent. Well, Pharaoh's magicians do the same thing. They throw their rods down and it turns to serpents. They use demonic, satanic power to do magic. Moses and Aaron, God is the source of their power and miracle. I like how it wraps up though because Aaron, Moses and Aaron's snake, it ate their snakes, right? So he dominated. Then they turned the water to blood and then the magicians, they turned the water to blood. Then they brought frogs to the land. Then the magicians brought frogs to the land and then it stopped. After three times, they tapped out because that's all they had. That's as far as their magic could go because when the lice came, they went to Pharaoh and said, this is the finger of God. You're messing with God. We brought our magic, but we can't touch this stuff. And from then on, they were unable to keep up with the power of God. And yet this false prophet can call fire down from heaven. I think that's pretty impressive. I think you would be in awe. And there are those on planet earth, your leader, you're worshiping him. He got killed, rose from the dead. And now his right-hand guy, his lieutenant, he can call fire down from heaven. Number 13, who deceives those who dwell on the earth? He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He's deceiving. He's, he, he's using lies. And that's what we, we realized the last two years. I've never seen so much traffic of lies from the highest level in my entire life. And the ability for technology to censor those who want to just speak the truth. Because, you know, the truth is unafraid of lies. So we want to bring the science, we want to bring the truth. And, and you have this whole system of lies that suppress the truth. And the Lord says in Romans chapter 1 that the wrath of God is revealed among men because of those who suppress the truth. The Lord hates it when mankind suppresses the truth to keep people in fear and slavery. Truth will set you free. Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, will set you free. Our Savior is about freedom, and his people enjoy freedom. That's why we recognize when tyranny comes, because we're a free people. And we understand what it is like to be free. The 14th characteristic of the Antichrist and his false prophet who animates the image of the beast. And this is where, I mean, technology and all this stuff is coming together in these last days. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak. So here's an image. In the old days, you would have idols, but now there's an image, but it has the ability to come to life. 
We look at AI today, artificial intelligence, and the ability. I was doing some research this week on all the holograms. Have you guys checked out what they can do with holograms? It is shocking. They have this special with this hologram where the maid of honor could not show up at the wedding to give the toast. It's her best friend, whatever. And so they hologram her in, and it looks like, I mean, seriously, she's there. And the, and the bride's like, oh, snap. Okay, I mean, it was like a surprise to her. And she's hologrammed in and does the toast to her best friend. Unreal. You can get one of these booths for about 60 grand or you can rent it to use it for like a thousand. And you can hologram just like you Zoom or anything else. You can just hologram yourself places. Shocking. And so there's an animation that takes place here that we now realize the technology. Can, can you see why chapter 13 is so relevant to our times because 50 years ago, the things that are talked about could not happen. The technology is not there. That's why the technology today, we're not Luddites, we're not anti-technology, it's just that we realize how it's going to be used. I mean, I realize now, no matter where I go, they can listen, I mean, I am your robot, I have my iPhone, right? It's like unbelievable the amount of technology that's in here and how they can track and know exactly what we're doing. But we have to take it to another level, right? But first, the 15th thing is, and causes as many would not worship the beast, image of the beast to be killed. So it's a period of time, if you don't worship this political leader, you'll be killed. And this harkens back to the first century when Christians, they would have to take incense. They would be forced to burn incense to worship Caesar and say Caesar is Lord. And they wouldn't do it. So they ended up being killed in the stadiums and the arenas and all kinds of things unfolded. But we're going towards a future where people, their life will be on the line whether they will bow or they will worship and they will be killed. Well, the 16th and final thing that brings this all together is the digital currency and the pressure that is coming to have that happen. And people have asked me if the vaccine uh, pass is somehow the mark of the beast. No, it's not the mark of the beast. And people, when credit cards came out, people, is this? No, when somebody's forcing something into your right hand or your forehead to buy something, that's the mark of the beast. Be very clear. But all of it's preparation for the mark of the beast, right? Have you known how addicted you are to this thing? <laughs> you, we who have Apple Pay, you know, just, I just got to do it all right here. Just Apple Pay. Look at this. In verse 16, he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on his right hand or on, his forehead, on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So think about this. We're getting very close to digitizing currency because, you see, China has now digitized social credits. And China is a little bit a role model for these, these socialist, communist uh, technocrats, what they want to do. Now, if you know anything about China, especially in the northern province where they rolled this out as their, um, their beta test site, China has 200 million cameras in their country, 1.4 or 5 billion people. They have a camera for every seven people. So for face recognition. They have not only 
one camera for every seven people. They have one spy for every 10 people. So every neighborhood, one out of every 10 is a government spy that t you take notes and print, give a weekly report on all your neighbors. They came home drunk. They yelled at their wife. Their you know, dogs barking, whatever it is. They, they do a report. And now they have the most incredible face recognition software. But beyond that, if they can't see your face, they're now getting your walking gait. So they can see you si walk sideways or they can see you walk forward. And they know by your gait who you are. Identification. And the social credit, like a financial credit, if you buy beer, your credit goes down. If you bought diapers for your kid, your credit goes up. And your whole social credit, nightly on the news, all the offenders that jaywalked, that drove through a, a crosswalk, that did anything, all the offenders are shown every night on TV to shame them into submission. If it gets so bad, what happens with your social credits, if it goes down enough, you can't ride a train or a bus or a plane. They begin to restrict all of your freedom. You can't get a personal loan. And so they produce robots that say, our country is perfect, it is wonderful, we will be safe. It's good for us. If you watch the, the specials on it, because they have, to, they have to toe the line, right? Anybody that watched this last play out the last couple of months, the 35-year-old tennis star from China, went on social media and said a high-ranking official played tennis with her, took her to a bedroom, raped her with his own wife watching the door, and she went on and she disappeared for three weeks. So the American Tennis Association said, we're not going to this tournament because of your a human rights issue. The Women's Tennis Organization has more guts and backbone than the entire administration together. I mean, they got a million Uyghurs that they are, are in work camps and harvesting organs and brutalizing in camps. And our strong political statement was, no diplomats will come to the games. It was unbelievable. So the, the, social, the, the digitization of all of these things that are coming together, China's the model. And Australia, if you watch with all their COVID stuff, they're using these models. They have everybody's cell phone. They know where, they're watching everybody exactly where you're at, how many minutes you spent in the convenience store, where you're at. And they have drones that are flying around watching people. In, in Australia, we thought was kind of a free place. And so this is what's happening. It's going to be digitized because as soon as it's digitized, if they just want to turn off your bank account, your flow of money, right? Boom. But you have to get a mark. I was invited last night by a really cool magician that plays at the, uh, there's a magic palace or something down in LA. And he, I mean, his, his, his tricks were epic. And he invited me and said, hey, let me know when you're going to come. And, uh, but you have to, you know, you have to have a vaccine passport or you have to have a negative COVID test and all this stuff. We, you would have never thought that you can't go into bars and restaurants and any kind of public gathering in LA three years ago. You would have never thought they would do this to us, right? But now you're controlled where you can go and what you can buy or sell because you can't go into that place and use your, your, your freedom to do so. Now, we know this technology's here. Check to, you know, we know zeros and ones. It's all uh, 
been unfolding for some time. We have the QR code. We have the barcode. But check this out. The Swedish company is, is practicing this. It, they inject their chip. It's been around a long time. But do you know that because the Bible's been preached from coast to coast around the globe uh, for 2,000 years about the mark of the beast, it's not a real good uh, PR program to put chips in people because of that. But look what the Swedish company's doing. They have the chip in their hand. They, they uh, scan their way into their company and then they push uh, their four-digit code. South China Morning Post showing this. And when you get chipped, you have a chip party. We thought we'd have one after service. How about it? <laughs> did, did you notice anything unusual about the girl? She had it in her hand and he had it in his forearm. Which arm and which hand? They're left. Nobody's, even the craziest people are not wanting you probably to put something in the right hand or their forehead. So the technology's been there for a long time. It's not yet popularized and enough that can happen. But look what, as we finish this chapter, in verse 18, here is the wisdom. Here's the wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And so here's the wisdom and here's the understanding. We know that it's the numbers of how all this technology works. You and I have more insight as Bible-believing Christians from a spiritual perspective. Those who are in technology, they understand the technology part of it. But we see that the number game that is coming together in technology with humanity is going to take place in the future. Having said all that, I shared at the beginning that we can be filled with hope because of this in the sense that the Lord says it's only going to happen at the very end for a brief period of time, the consolidated power and what's going to take place. And so we don't know how much freedom, how, how long we have. So we should max it out. Rather than being fearful of it, we should live for liberty. We should live for freedom. We should enjoy it while we have it. We should teach our kids. And, you know, my personal eschatology is I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. So I'm stoked about Jesus coming. So I'm going to live for liberty. And 
<laughs> but I'm excited about him coming again. And it doesn't make me complacent. It makes me fearless because I'm not, I'm not afraid. I mean, what are you going to do? Kill me and send me to heaven so everybody else can pay the bills? Bring it on. <laughs> right? It, it's all right. I, I, I'm not afraid. But when the Lord said, you see these things happening, he said, pray that you might be counted worthy to escape these things. Check out a few passages for encouragement so that we know the Lord knows what's happening and he gives us some promises to hang on to. In Luke 21, it says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. Now, all the things prior to this in that passage are all these last days things that we're talking about. That we, that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Be count, be praying, praying that you be counted worthy to escape these things. And people, when I talk about a pre-tribulation rapture, people say, Pastor, you're teaching your people to be escapists. And I said, yes, you're preaching my point. Right? I'm to pray that I might escape these things, and I want to escape. If the building's on fire, it says fire escape, and I want to escape. Anybody want to escape with me? I don't want to be here for some of this. Yeah, okay. So I just make sure, I mean, it doesn't seem like a moronic type of thing to want to escape this. Seems pretty straightforward. As a matter of fact, it seems like it's a very direct promise to the faithful church in Revelation chapter 3 when Jesus says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. He says, because you are walking with me, I'm going to keep you from this trial that is coming upon the whole earth. Paul the Apostle tells us this mystery, how that's going to happen through the rapture. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed, all, all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So there's a time coming that the Lord says he's going to catch up his church, and we're going to be transformed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And this is the point. In the... The most intense passages in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians about the Lord's coming again, he tells us this. He says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize the judgment that is coming upon the world is God's judgment to an unbelieving world? He hasn't appointed you as believers to that wrath and to that judgment. He actually has appointed salvation for you and a rescue for you. Before the flood, the Lord speaks to Noah in Genesis chapter 6. But in chapter 5, there's this long list of names. And it says, he was born, he lived this long, he had a child, he died. And it gives the age. And it's like the begat chapter. And he begot so-and-so, and then he died. And then in the middle of it, in Genesis 5.24, it says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Before the flood came, here's a guy walking by faith, which is a picture in the Old Testament of this guy that's walking by faith with the Lord, and the Lord took him to heaven, and then the flood came. Now Noah, picture of the Jews, the nation of Israel, going through the great tribulation, they go through the storm. But the Lord has done it before. He's rescued somebody before judgment came. As a matter of fact, Abraham said, isn't that your nature, God? When God told him he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their iniquity and sin, because his righteous nephew Lot lived there, he begged and interceded for God, and this is what he said. Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so the righteous should be as the wicked, 
far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Isn't that great logic? He's like, these are your people. Why would you kill them and destroy them with all the wicked people? So the Lord, you know, not only is Abraham an incredible father of faith, but he's a great businessman, right? So he says, for 50, would you do it? For 40, 30, do I hear 20, 10? He goes all the way down. The Lord says, okay, for 10 people, I'll not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, there wasn't 10 righteous people. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, but Lot and his two daughters were taken out before the destruction happened. As a matter of fact, the angels grabbed their hands and said, we cannot leave or we cannot bring judgment until you guys are gone. And I sincerely believe that the nature and character of God that Abraham was interceding about is the same for our future. I do not believe that God's people are going through the great tribulation. Therefore, I'm not watching for the Antichrist to show up and do his business. I'm watching for Jesus Christ to come and take me home. But at the end of that seven-year period of time as we wrap it up... (laughs) Like I said, every great movie, you need a hero and you need a villain, and then the villain has to get it in the end. The Antichrist and the false prophet, it tells us when Jesus comes back at the end of the seven years of great tribulation, it says, then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. The Lord Jesus comes back and he takes the false prophet and the antichrist and he throws them into the lake of fire. Do you know that right now there's nobody in the lake of fire? People say they went to hell. No, they haven't. There's a place called Hades, which is the temporary tormenting spot until they face the great white throne judgment and then go to hell. So the antichrist and the false prophet are the first residents to break in hell, which is good news if you love a great ending, right? They are cast into that place of judgment. I want you to know God's judgment and the way that he meets things out, you see it all the way through the scriptures. God will work. We do not have to avenge ourselves. We do not have to take on that violent posture. Our power is on our knees in prayer and hanging on to the promises of his incredible word. That's where our power is. And the promise that he's coming again to get us and he's gonna wrap things up when he chooses to. But you know the people going through World War I thought the world was coming to an end. The people going through World War II thought the world was coming to an end, right? We're going through a period of time, and how do we know? I mean, just imagine if the people rolled over and gave up after World War I, rolled over and gave up after World War II, because things were hard. We don't know how much grace we have in front of us. So we might as well live fearlessly in full tilt with a love for God and a love for this nation. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together and close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your incredible word that is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It's the ability to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's nourishment, Lord. It's food for our soul. Lord, fill us with faith and courage that these things are not devastating truths, but encouraging, edifying, uplifting truths that you're in charge. You know what's coming. You love your people and you have not appointed us to wrath, but Lord, you have appointed us for salvation 
So thank you for your love, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would encourage us and strengthen each one of us to live fearlessly until we see you face to face. To be salt and light, to occupy till you come again. Lord, fill us with courage to do that which we're apprehensive or may hesitate to do. Lord, fill us with a a godly, supernatural courage by your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you.